welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I had with Todd and Kim Chastine. Todd serves as the Vice President of Public Policy and Corporate Counsel at Samaritan's Purse. They both recently attended the March for Life in Washington, D.C. This is an annual march that happens on or around the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision that was made in 1973. March for Life has gathered and advocated ever since. This march is a movement that promotes and advocates the beauty and dignity of human life. They help unite, educate, and mobilize pro-life people in the public square. I was really encouraged to be able to hear Todd and Kim's insight as they shared the energy and, and what they learned from being a part of the march. Todd also explains what decisions are being made and, and how it will impact abortion laws in our country. I know that you'll be challenged and encouraged by this conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. I was hoping to go. You both went to the march just in the, the past couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. first to start, can you even just share, you know, the March for Life has been happening since the year after Roe v. Wade, right? I mean, right. it's been going on for 40, 49, 49 years. years. So it's been going on a long time, but you guys have been able to go. How many times have you gone? I've gone about five or six times, okay. um, three in the last few years, and then uh, two or three uh, before Kim and I met. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, talk to me about what it's like to be at the March, first of all. What, what that atmosphere is like, just what it's even like to see that. Well, one of the incredible things about uh, the March is it's so positive. It's, it's upbeat. It's a joyful. Mm-hmm. And just uh, watching uh, all the folks from all walks of life uh, you know, young, mostly young. I'm mm-hmm. like the old guy there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just so amazing to see all the energy, the creativity. Uh, people uh, have wonderful signs like the one uh, Kim has there. Uh, love them both. You're talking about loving the mother and the child simultaneously, helping them both. And, and so it's it's incredibly peaceful and encouraging. And I, and I think it, what it really does is it reminds the Supreme Court every year, mm. we're not going away. We know this is wrong. It has to end. And we're going to keep uh, marching to the Supreme Court steps every year. So people are re- really comp- confident and determined that they're there for an un- unquestionable cause, the right mm. cause. Uh, but it's, it's it's special. I was so thankful that Franklin attended two mm-hmm. years ago and Sissy did, and they got to experience it. Mm-hmm. And so, Kim, you know, Todd has been up there many times, and, you know, even in the past year, has the, many votes have been taking place, you know, and so, yeah, you've been there many times. What, what is it like for you to see that, and why did it impact you so much? Well, I think this year, it, when you go every year, it sounds almost like the, the cheering at a football game, mm-hmm. you know. There's um, bands and people playing different instruments, kids yelling and cheering, and they'll sing hymns along the way or made-up mm-hmm. hymns that um, encourage um, the pro-life movement. The groups um, are energetic in the sense that they have matching T-shirts, hats, so you can definitely see a group from like Liberty University mm-hmm. or different schools or different churches. Mm-hmm. So just the enthusiasm they put into coming Um, to the march Mm -hmm. is always exciting. And for the first time this year, we never noticed any, not one heckler. In the past, you would have people along the march from um, 
up to the Capitol, just with signs and screaming at you or just being very negative. And even at the end, when you get to the steps of the Supreme Court, we didn't see one person one. that mm-hmm. was uh, pro-choice. It was all a very much a pro-life movement, which was really encouraging. It was a cold day. It maybe scared them away, but I think I think it was deeper than that this that year. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And I know it's it's it is the largest uh, human rights movement, correct? Yes. I mean, so it, it, large numbers. I mean, it does make a stance, but um, yeah, that is incredible. You would think there would be a lot of protests and hecklers, and that was mm-hmm. in so the past. There were like a handful, not but, but noticeable, very visible, very loud, mm-hmm. very colorful. Mm-hmm. And this year, you know, you always kind of look for them. And mm-hmm. we didn't see him, mm-hmm. which was a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's very peaceful, as Todd said. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, so talk to me about the march. I mean, you start, you know, right there at the Capitol, correct? Well, or, you, or at the you, mall? You start about 12th and Constitution. Okay. Really close to the March for Life stage where Sissy okay. did the, the finishing prayer uh, to over 100,000 people. And so people are jammed in. Mm-hmm. And we were at the front of the line uh, before we— uh, kind of merged into the line. And it's great to to see when they start the march. It's like an army marching mm-hmm. forward. Uh, and it's, you know, people are blowing their horns and some people are singing chants and uh, others are just cheering and others just quiet. But it, it's just a special, special time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy just observing and watching and, and, and walking with all the folks. Mm-hmm. There's families that march together with strollers, moms pushing babies. There's, you know, handicapped people in wheelchairs. There's Mm -hmm. people from all walks of life. Yeah, it could be atheists for life, Hispanics for life. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be Catholic organizations, evangelical organizations, high school, junior highs, colleges. Mm -hmm. Um, And they march up Constitution and then continue all the way uh, to the Supreme Court steps Mm -hmm. where there's some encouraging uh, messages that uh, people share, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, many, they have many women that speak about the, the uh, fact that they had aborted a child mm-hmm. and now they're advocates for life and they know that um, their, their life's not wasted because they're, they're going to try to represent and fight for life mm-hmm. with, with the remaining days and they're making their days count. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I know. I just think of, you know, Joshua, you know, when they're coming into Jericho and, Mm -hmm. you know, Rahab recognized these people of God and had heard about what God has done through the Israelites. And I just hope and pray that, yeah, ending at the Supreme Court steps, Mm -hmm. that even people that are pro-choice and maybe godless, that they can see, you know, the faithfulness of the people coming forth, that it'll be a testimony and maybe even people— will believe, or, or like you said, they definitely see that this isn't going away. So talk to me about how this year, was it different? You know, knowing that the Supreme Court's going to vote this summer, <clears throat> knowing that there's a possibility of this being overturned. I mean, you've always hoped and prayed for this, but it really is a possibility. Did that change the the dynamics and the tone and just the enthusiasm, or was it like every other year? It definitely changed the dynamic. There was a, a lot of hope. And the responsiveness, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, when Sissy finished the March for Life event on the big stage out on the mall grounds, she, she walked out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 40 people behind her on the stage. And she said, are you ready to march? Mm-hmm. And the crowd just had a rousing 
you know, fired up response. And that's kind of how the attitude was. You know, people uh, were just super excited, super hopeful, very enthusiastic. And that was really special in the sense that because of COVID regulations mm-hmm. and people worried about Omicron and, and a threat of a snowstorm, if you were driving from wherever, uh, the crowd was probably 60% of what it was in 2019, mm-hmm. or, or that would have been 2020, January. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say there's probably 150,000 at this event, and there's maybe close to 300 at, at the last one. Okay. But this one, the, the crowd was rowdy mm-hmm. and encouraged. And because there's real hope that one of two things will happen. One, they'll get rid of the viability standard, which means um, you know you can't uh, restrict abor- abortion before viability, which is mm. somewhere around 24 weeks. That could get struck and be gone forever, or they might just strike Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Both of those things could happen, which mm-hmm. both will be a great step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you mind just even walking us through this past year? You know, you've been up there several times. Uh, I think, uh, you know, most people don't even know all that's been happening and what we're what we're up against and, yeah, what the possibilities are. So can, so can you maybe even give us, like, a high-level kind of triumphs and victories and uh, just what has happened even this past year to get us to where we are? Well, there's been a lot of dedicated uh, people who have been advocating for the cause and not giving up even in years of defeat, even when the court went the other way uh, over decades. And they and they keep showing up and, and stay in the battle. And they just determinedly say, we're not going anywhere. And that's resulted in um, some really good things happening, including uh, the president, President Trump, uh, appointing new justices mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court, where there's actually folks on the court now, there's a number I look at it as there's nine justices. Mm-hmm. There's three that are pretty conservative, and they're probably open to reversing Roe. There's three other ones we really don't know about, but they're 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 decent possibilities. And then there's three that are going to um, always support abortion no matter what. Mm-hmm. So there, there's hope at the Supreme Court. And there was a case in December, uh, Dobbs v. Jackson, and and the Dobbs case is from Mississippi, and the Mississippi Attorney General and the General Assembly said, you know what, we know these these kind of laws have been struck in the past, but we're going for it. We're going for Roe. We're going for Roe's throat. And they said, we are going to uh, create a law where there, abortion is not allowed after 15 weeks. Now, that is a big movement forward in the U.S. law, because the U.S. law is one of the worst seven in the world. Hmm. Um, but in Europe, uh, 15 uh, weeks, uh, no abortions after 15 weeks is normal. They have a, a lot of countries where there's no abortions after 12 weeks. So here we are, a liberal, progressive Europe is a lot more protective of life than we are, hmm. far more protective. Again, we're one of the worst seven countries in the world. So the justices know that. Uh, society is starting to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, science is, you know, you know, science and ultrasounds are so amazing now that you see things very early. Um, so science, history, the law, uh, all this momentum's coming together. Mm-hmm. And this Dobbs case comes and the court accepts it. And that's a good sign. And then we listen to the arguments and there's 
five or six justices that are asking really hard questions about whether we should keep Roe v. Wade and why. And that hadn't happened before. And, and the folks that were close mm-hmm. to the case, the, the folks that argued the case, I got to meet with them afterwards. And they were giddy. They, by listening to the questions the justices were asking at the Supreme Court, they thought for the first time, Roe may go. Mm-hmm. Or at least the viability standard would be struck and states could protect life. See, what happened in 1973 is such a horrible decision that there was 46 states after Roe v. Wade that had to change their law. Those mm-hmm. states all had some law in there that protected life in the womb, mm-hmm. that valued life in the womb. After Roe, they all had to change their law because their laws became illegal. And seven justices that were not elected, they're unelected, overruled 46 legislatures that were elected by the people. That's another reason the decision's so bad, uh, other than the justices played God, mm-hmm. and they, they had arbitrary rules in three trimesters, and there was, they were so arbitrary and capricious and unexplainable. Even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the most liberal justices we've had, she said it was a heavy-handed judicial intervention that's hard to justify. Mm-hmm. She did not think the decision was well-reasoned. But so there is hope. And I think um, all six uh, of the more conservative justices understand Roe is a horrible decision. It's, it's horrible legally, it's horrible in history, uh, uh, philosophically, ethically, and in science. It's got it, it got it all wrong, all those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me about Smearn's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, you know, how they are engaged and support life, you know, and many is, is the march, but how, because this is one— I guess, aspect of the ministry we don't talk a lot about, and we don't get to talk to you a lot about, because I know a lot of what you do is not behind the scenes, but but you do. You advocate for things like this. So what is is our engagement like, and and how have— Well, Christ in Scripture is so life-affirming. You know, think Mm -hmm. about Elizabeth and Mary. They they walk in the same room, and John, who's in Elizabeth's womb, reacts to— the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb, mm-hmm. you know, right mm-hmm. there showing the value of life, the purpose of life, right. the dignity of life, even before uh, anyone was born. And now, that's so wonderful. But what is special about the Billy Graham Association and Samaritan's Purse is they share the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel transforms. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, the day after the Dobbs case in December, uh, which was the you know the pro-life case that's being considered. And the host said she'd been asking people for years what made people change from being pro-abortion to pro-life. What was the biggest reason for the change? And becoming a Christ follower was the number one answer by far. And that got me to thinking, you know, how as a 23-year-old, when I came to Christ, I didn't really think about abortion or think about mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade or anything uh, at that point. And then as a, I became a Christ follower, and almost immediately I became a you know, passionate pro-life advocate, understanding, you know, it's like God removes scales. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the scriptures transform. And and uh, Sissy in her 
prayer and in her message at the Students for Life, uh, she, she's quoted a scripture in John 12, 46, which is a really great scripture, which is really saying the, the Lord, Christ said, I, I've come as a light and whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. And people who believe that it's okay for a mother to kill her child are in darkness to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, but, but coming to the, uh, the truth of Christ removes that darkness, can transform minds, mm-hmm. uh, as we see, you know, in Romans that, you know, we're, we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can understand what His perfect will is, good and perfect, acceptable will. And the fact that the, the Billy Graham Association, Samaritan's Purse, bring people to Christ, that may be the biggest impact we make for the pro-life movement mm-hmm. um, over, over time and around the world, because it's not only a U.S. issue— they estimate 40 million children are, are killed a year around the around the world, 40 million. So that's that's a big way we're involved, but we're also involved in joining amicus briefs for the U.S. Supreme Court to join the energy, to join the momentum, because if you, the more amicus briefs you file at the Supreme Court, the justices notice it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the first time in this case in December, the pro-life briefs outnumbered the pro-abortion briefs, and that was mm-hmm. pretty significant by like 35 or 36 briefs. And that shows the momentum. Mm -hmm. And other things, uh, we support life-affirming legislation in different states in our messaging. Uh, Franklin's staunchly pro-life and his messaging through Decision Magazine, uh, through social media uh, is uh, pro-life. And then we we sponsor Students for Life, which is the largest Mm. pro-life event. Uh, conference and it's mm-hmm. a great one. It's just got so much energy. You have 2,000, 3,000, 18 to 25 year olds mm-hmm. in this uh, building celebrating life. And, and, and then, and then you know, Sissy's taken uh, the opportunity to uh, engage. She she you know was the closer uh, mm-hmm. for the March for Life and the closer for to to inspire everybody at the Students for Life. She was the one that's supposed to. Uh, Get everybody to be all in, and and, um, and and as she finished was the was the uh, closing uh, plenary speaker. So we get then we get involved in a lot of different ways. I told Sissy a couple of years ago, I, I introduced her to the uh, president of uh, uh, Students for Life, Kristen Hawkins, because mm-hmm. they're they're just an energized group, and I love them. And I said they're going to want you to speak soon, and then uh, and then and then. We got her in. Uh, we're trying to get her into March for Life to meet with Jim Daly, President of Focus on the Family, for a meeting and connected uh, her with the, some of the March for Life team. I said that they're going to want you up there some mm-hmm. at some point. And within, I didn't realize it was going to be this quick, but you know, here it was 2022, mm-hmm. and they wanted her to be speak and, and represent uh, millennials or uh, represent Christianity and, and speak, and she did in both events. And, and those are the two largest events mm-hmm. in D.C. promoting life. So we, we get to be engaged mm-hmm. in special ways. Yeah, it is incredible. And yeah, I love that verse. And I know, Kim, you're involved in Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Boone. And, you know, I've been involved in multiple too. And it, it really is, sometimes you can watch the skills come off, you know, when you talk to them. And um, I heard one of the technician, she did the the ultrasound, but she had had an abortion, that nurse, and she was able to tell, you know, Satan is, is so crafty. You know, he lies to you, you know, that this is not a big deal. This is, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, but the minute you do it, then 
the the guilt and the shame, and then he then he attacks you in other ways, you know, and 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 then you're scarred for life, you know, you really it never leaves you. So I know that was just a powerful testimony of someone that actually had had an abortion, knows what a lie it is, knows that the truth, mm-hmm. um, and Christ can take those skills off. So I've watched women truly hear the gospel and, and just even be asked, "What do you want to do?" Because I think so many are just trapped and they're mm-hmm. either told what to do or don't think they have a choice. And that's why you brought this uh, sign today that says, love them both. And I love this picture because I think sometimes that can be so about the baby, you know, which the baby is important, but the mom's important too. And God loves her. So talk to me about what even just being involved in the pregnancy center and walking with young moms that are scared, you know, what that has even done to you over the years and how then going to the march, you know, just all of it, how it's played a role in your life. Well, it's really emphasized the importance as if we are pro-life that we need to support the young moms because, um, you know, we our daughter-in-law just had a baby eight months ago and, you know, she was sick and, you know, it's not easy being pregnant for some of these young moms. Mm-hmm. You know, you're throwing up and, you know, if you're, you don't really want the baby or you don't know what you're going to do, you're kind of scared just to ha- walk alongside mm-hmm. and support them. I've had two, I guess, clients from the Hope Pregnancy Center um, that were both students at, at the local university, ASU, both... Um, had full-term babies, baby boys, mm-hmm. and I was privileged to go with my first um, student um, to her ultrasound so she could find out it was a boy. At that mm-hmm. time, um, the dad was involved, but he's not involved anymore. Um, but it's a wonderful program where they give you a series of questions that you meet with these moms every month just to prepare them for motherhood mm-hmm. and taking care of themselves and introduce them to the resources that are available in the community. But I just gave me a heart more that we really need to um, reach out to these moms and support them and help them with their children, um, which I've tried to do um, with the two clients that I've had. Because if, you know, Roe v. Wade is overturned and prayerfully we'll have more babies in the world instead mm-hmm. of killing them, that we need to support mm-hmm. them. And um, our pregnancy center here, only 30% of the clients are students. So that means the other 70% are just in the community, mostly young, but some um with multiple children that just don't want another one, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think it's important to to get involved locally. It's not just students. If you don't feel like you connect to, to young student moms, there's other moms, you know, mm-hmm. to partner with and encourage along the way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, one of the um, attacks on the pro-life community is they only care about the unborn, but that mm-hmm. is incredibly false. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians and pro-life uh, pregnancy centers— are doing what Kim is mm-hmm. doing um, mm-hmm. all over the nation, and they they come alongside the mother beautifully, mm-hmm. and because they they say that a lot of the uh, unplanned pregnancies, the moms actually would be willing to keep the baby under other circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, those other circumstances means they had financial support, they had possibly the way, a way to continue education, they. they you know, had clothing and they had medical support and all those different things. And if these crisis pregnancy centers and communities and churches come alongside, it can it can be a game changer. Mm-hmm. And and it is what Christ would have us do anyway. So I, I really um, am thankful for all the all those crisis pregnancy centers are doing that work and in uh, churches as well. They yeah. a lot of women's mm-hmm. groups um, have showers for these mm-hmm. single moms. There's a one lady at our church. They have a whole closet of blankets. So anytime someone has a baby, they can give them a mm-hmm. homemade crocheted or knit blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
I know I was I was just reading Galatians 6 today, you know, and it says, you know, therefore, you know, do good as you can, but especially to believers. And, you know, so we are, we're called to to do good as we can, um, but especially the church, you know, we need to support mm-hmm. and love believers so that we can be an extension of of God's hands. And I know the one I, when I was in, they— Moms could come for classes and discipleship, mm-hmm. and that earned them, you know, mommy bucks. And they had yes. a store, and yes. they had formula and diapers, and just because it, it is, I had babies with a loving husband who supported me, and it's still hard, you know, to be a young mom and navigating mm-hmm. that. But I can't imagine these moms that don't have godly or even just examples. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot were grow grew up with single moms or you know not parents, mm-hmm. and so to not know how to navigate it. So we do, I, and I think that is a lie. I, I say I say that because I, I believe what you believe, but I think that is what the what they're saying is that right. we only care about the baby. But I think it it mm-hmm. does go farther, and there are so many, and that's something. Watching the what what is it the summit the next day after the march what was that called oh the uh, students for life conference yes, yes that's what that was so I I watched part of it you sent me the live stream that day because yeah I wasn't able to go I was really hoping to go with Hannah um but I didn't have a piece about going and now I found out why because I ended up having COVID you know on Friday <laughs> so I would have been stuck in DC but. Um, so I was in bed watching most of the live streams and they were very impressive and so maybe yes. can you even talk to me about maybe some of the speakers or something, did you learn something that day? Because many of them are representatives of different organizations that I had never heard of, but that are doing great things, either on college campuses, teaching mm-hmm. and training, or yeah, what impressed you the most there? One thing that's a really eye-opener to me is, um, I guess the term chemical abortions, mm-hmm. which sometimes the morning after pill or, or even deeper than that. I would mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. really open my eyes that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And it goes back to what Todd was saying about changing hearts and valuing life because some of these young moms are scared or they're encouraged to get an abortion. They're shamed into it by their family, friends, or boyfriends that mm-hmm. just don't want to get rid of the the child. And so all the dangers that are truly involved with chemical abortions mm-hmm. and how with online and social media, it's so much easier now to obtain mm-hmm. and the guidelines that really need to be to eliminate it because of the health risk for the mothers. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought of that um, aspect of abortion before. You just think of the mm-hmm. procedure, mm-hmm. but there's the chemical abortion that you can do in the privacy of your home by yourself, which is very scary. You Becoming know, less regulated. It's mm-hmm. less yes. leg, yeah, less regulated. And mm-hmm. so it just all uh, the stories that some of these moms would share, just uh, and the speakers really broke my heart. But I was also encouraged that there's also kind of a pill that you can take. You Say you take it, you think, oh my gosh, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Well, there's a website, I forget the name of it, but you can go mm-hmm. on and they can, I guess they. it's a pill to counteract the mm-hmm. pill. So it, it, it puts progesterone back in your body so it can stop the chemical abortion. You have to take it for so many months afterwards and they've had maybe 70 percent success rate with mm-hmm. that for the moms that do panic and think, wait a minute, what did I do? Mm-hmm. It actually you know? works very well. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but it was, yeah, science. just the way yeah. they say, you know, take the pill, drink a glass of water, go to the bathroom, flush, and don't look. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I can mm-hmm. just see that young person. I cried just thinking about it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a whole different realm mm-hmm. that I never thought mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always come back to that that nurse at the pregnancy center that said that. You know, she she said, I felt that. You know, the minute it was over, that guilt, that shame, that condemnation, you know, the regret. And I think that is what happened in the garden, you know, when mm-hmm. Satan, you know, talked to Eve and Adam and, you know, the, there was regret, you know, they went and hid, you know, they knew that, and I think that is what they're faced with. So yeah, I did, same thing. I didn't know about that, that 
Because oftentimes I think they do. They think, what did I do? Yes. I wish I didn't do this. Yeah. And so there is some hope for some. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these abortion clinics are not really concerned with the long-term health of the mothers because the statistics are, are, are horrendous on how going through that process hurts you in the long run. And they don't consider that at all. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's travesty mm-hmm. in itself. You know, all these young women making these decisions, uh, they can be forgiven for, you know, Christ can forgive and set them free, but they, they can also have long-term health mm-hmm. consequences. They can become from, sterile. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, sterile, yeah, breast cancer, mm-hmm. um, uh, emotional mm-hmm. trauma um, is almost guaranteed uh, in the long run after this. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it, that's that's an unfortunate piece. But but the 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 Student for Life conference has like a real people come in. Um, different angles and strategies on how to like move the pro-life movement forward. And some of it is just sharing really what's going on. You know, you look at the impact of Roe v. Wade and what what you have is in the United States, 62 million people Mm -hmm. killed, more than the population of Italy, more, uh, 10 times more than Hitler killed. Mm -hmm. um, And then more than the Aztecs sacrificed. It's like, and if you multiply, take that generationally, because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. this started happening in 73, there there would have been people who were born that then had had a child and then now grandchildren. And you're really talking 150 to 180 million people that were missing. Um, and, and America's not replacing its babies right now. We're like, mm-hmm. our, our rate of uh, child replacement is, is low and dropping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an impact of that also. But... Uh, one one quote that Michael Knowles shared. Uh, first, Michael Knowles was the keynote speaker and student for life, mm-hmm. and he did a great job. And he talked about all the weaknesses of the Roe v. Wade decision, but really he said, you know, the worst thing about uh, Roe v. Wade is the killing of all the babies. And he just got, you know, pretty blunt about it. And then he quoted uh, Mother Teresa, and I'll just read, a, you know, a quote. It was very blunt and profound, something she said, because she was very— direct, uh, even in front of President Clinton. And she said, you know, you know, abortion is like a war against the child, murder by the mother herself. If we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, uh, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? Mm-hmm. You know, as a moral, a cultural foundation of what's right mm-hmm. and wrong. So, you know, that, that hit me pretty hard hearing that, you know, a, a mother, you know, encouraging a mother to kill their own child. And that's what the, that's what the pro-abortion movement is. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah, that, it's interesting that the two gals that I had at the Hope Pregnancy Center, they, were bo- they both would say they were pro-choice, not pro-life. It's just like, I can never abort my baby, but I don't feel like I have the right to tell somebody else they can't. Mm-hmm. Which really kind of took me back a little mm-hmm. bit, um, which is— an opportunity to, you know, help educate them on on life and introduce them to, to Christianity mm-hmm. and just to walk alongside them in that process. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know, because, yeah, in some ways, even if you you say you don't agree with that, but you're not doing anything. I mean, I know I heard a pastor say once, you know, the blood is on our hands. You know, this mm-hmm. is, all of us are, you know, if we're not doing something to counter this, and, mm-hmm. and this isn't new, you know, the Old mm-hmm. Testament, there were multiple, I mean, mostly pagan that right. 
sacrifice children. Um, and so that was more of an idol. They were trying to sacrifice, you know. Um, but this isn't new, um, right. sadly. Uh, mankind, mm-hmm. you know, we, and I think this is a different kind of idol worship. We are worshiping, you know, what we want. And it's, it's, it's like we want to choose and be able to do whatever you have the freedom to do whatever you want. But it is in some ways an idol worship, you know? And, and so you're right. The, um, I, that is a great quote um, that, how, yeah, it is contradicting to say you can't kill a person. And that's what one of the speakers, that's what impressed me the most. He said when he goes on campuses, you know, the, the biggest thing is learn to find an agreement. You know, what was, I think there were three points he had, like oh, yes. learn to, to, to agree with somebody, find right. a common ground, you know, because we do have a common ground, even with pro-choice. We, you know, because they'll, you know, if they said, well, what about a mother that's struggling and, you know, can't feed her two children? You know, it, it's okay because they will die if she brings on another baby. And, you know, right. I said, I agree with you. That's horrible. That's terrible that a mother can't feed her. I don't know what I would do. You know, that yeah. would be awful. Yeah. But should we kill the two-year-old? You know, right. they'd say, no, no, absolutely not. That would be horrible. But this unborn baby, so it's just the finding the, they just don't see this baby as a true person. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, bl- the blinders have been on. So find a way to not argue and be combative about what you believe, but find some commonality. And he said, if you don't see them as a person, the person you're disagreeing with, they're not going to see you as a human and as a person. So you won't hear each other out. Yeah, yeah, and asking them all those good questions mm-hmm. like, "What is a fetus? Mm-hmm. Is um, you know what what, uh, what why do you have to terminate something that's not alive? Mm-hmm. Is, that is, is alive?" One. And so there's there, there's great questions. You can have good conversations and as long as you can you know stay civil and peaceful in mm-hmm. them. You may gain some ground. And uh, but I, I do believe that people come to Christ and dwell with the Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. the best way mm-hmm. to right. really say. Um, wow, I have to support this cause. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's life-affirming, just like the work Samaritan's Purse does around the world to help people in the ditches um, facing mm-hmm. the most difficult problems in life. You know, it's the same thing. We're just mm-hmm. helping the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They're just, they can't speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think there were two themes at the conference as well. Is You would see um, signs, hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts. We are the pro-life generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the enthusiasm and... and um, the excitement that these kids had, that right. and confident that we are the pro-life generation, right. and, right. The, and the post-Roe generation. Yeah, yeah. About. yeah. yeah. and then Both. you know, and another yeah. theme was, we're all in or be all in. Mm. You know, because we can sit here and talk about this, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what are we doing? We mm-hmm. have to be all in. Mm-hmm. You know, and so those are two um, takeaways from that conference as well. So I guess yeah, that's how I want to close. Is you know, and you know, an exodus or. I guess, yeah, Exodus, when Pharaoh's trying to get rid of the Israelites, you know, and he wants to kill all the babies that are born. He tells the midwives, you know, kill the Jewish, you know, kill these baby boys. And it said the midwives feared God, mm-hmm. you know, over man, and they wouldn't do it. And God blessed them for that. And wow, so I, I want to be, you know, a midwife that, you know, because this is essentially what's happening. You know, the world has told mm-hmm. us it's okay. You know, Pharaoh, you know, it's okay, do it. You know, you're being commanded to do this. So how can we all be midwives in this generation, you know, and fear God Mm -hmm. um, and stand up? So I guess maybe can you give us some just even people listening? um, I don't know, involvement and, again, people listening all over the country. And I want to talk about it in a minute because there's going to be state marches coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a lot that we can be involved with coming into this vote. So I guess can you give us some practical Mm -hmm. ways? How can we— 
be midwives because we're not truly, a lot of us aren't in on the delivery. We're not in on the, um, I guess, not not tangible, but, and we're not like you. We can't go up to talk legislation. So what can practically normal people do? Well, you know, Chrissy, as you're talking and, and hearing the word midwife, our daughter's currently in grad school mm-hmm. to be a midwife. Mm-hmm. And I've never associated that, associated that with this, I guess, with the topic, but I don't know, just in conversation with the midwives in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. how blessed they were. Yeah, it hit so you me. have to have such a heart for it, you know, because it's not easy to go into medicine mm-hmm. and be pro life these mm-hmm. days in a very mm-hmm. secular world. Um, but I think back to your question about how can we get involved, I think local pregnancy centers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, getting helping the mothers or the resources, or if you don't feel like you can mentor someone, just providing. Um, goods and services and support mm-hmm. the center itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just facilities because a lot of times if a mom sees her child on ultrasound you know you can give financially to buy mm-hmm. equipment mm-hmm. Um, for that center to um, bless the mothers and encourage them to keep their babies yeah I, I totally agree with what Kim just said that's the hard work that's the mm-hmm. labor intensive mm-hmm. work and that's being the midwife uh, what uh, some of the ministry that Kim's been involved in and crisis pregnancy centers so Supporting them in any way we can um, on a, a, a bigger picture scale also um, as we do the work in the trenches is you have to vote. You know, you have to vote mm-hmm. to – because people people engaging in politics is not just politics. You're deciding who's governing your children, your grandchildren. You're, you're deciding who is making a lot of these decisions, uh, you know, about uh, life and protecting life. Like if Roe v. Wade falls, um, g- the General Assembly in North Carolina can come up with a law mm-hmm. to protect life to the degree that North Carolinians want to protect life. That could be a heartbeat bill. That could be something like Louisiana. So uh, engaging there, um, you know, supporting, you know, legislation, following that to, to uh, advocate for life and engaging in in these marches and supporting, you know, pro-life organizations and uh, making it a part of discipleship in churches. You know, a lot of issues people think are only political, but they're often also discipleship issues that, you know, people need to talk about in church because protecting the life of the unborn and realizing how important that is because if you don't have that human right all the other human rights are out the window if you don't if you can't mm-hmm. be born mm-hmm. so you know churches discipling people about uh, biblical truths and good ideas and noble and good and just and right purposes and one of those is is is, is the pro pro life cause and then mm-hmm. So yeah, there's you, you can engage on the local level, church level, the crisis pregnancy level, the state level, and the national mm-hmm. level. There's one coming up in March in Connecticut. April, has, Virginia is doing one. June is California. September is Pennsylvania, and October is Ohio. That's so great. if you go You're to March for Life, well, great. I just I mean March for Life. The website is pretty incredible, so That's I encourage great. people to start there. You know, go to their website. They even tell you they had a 101 class on kind of just the policies and just some of the stuff that again. I don't understand. It's over my head. I need someone like you to kind of make it policies for dummies. But um, but yeah, these are simple. So if you live, you know, I know we have people listening all over the country. So if you're close to, it's always at the state capital of the state. And yeah, the marches for each state are pretty incredible too. I mean, obviously DC is just a collective, um, but you're right. Get more evangelicals involved, more churches. I think you're right, Kim. I think it's awesome that 
as people came as groups, you know, to, to wear hats, wear shirts, you know, so people know where you're from. And I think there is such unity in this. Um, and and prayerfully, the gospel will come through because yes. a lot of them just have good—they're uh, they're just— want to do for the good of, of life. And that's great. But the most important is hearing the gospel. And yes. that will truly unify us. <laughs> yes. Enduring. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that either of you want to share on behalf? I know I think the biggest point is I want people to hear this and say, what can I do? You know, I pray mm-hmm. that people's hearts will be stirred because that's something that happened to me years ago. I think I, it was a meme and it just said, who's pro-life? You know, and everyone raised their hand. You know, and then they said, what are you doing? You know, who who has adopted or who has been involved in crisis pregnancy or who has been advocating for life? You know, and I think that is the biggest conviction because I think most Christians would say, of course, I'm pro-life. But I think my question is, what are you doing with that? You know, how are you, again, being an active, that's why, yeah, the midwife, how are you truly um, making an active step? So you gave us some action steps to take and prayer points. And yeah, the march is great. I know Sissy keeps telling me, you have to go. It yes. changed you're, her you're life. Love I mean, it. And your kids are going to And love I, it. one day I will. I think this, the snow this year and again, COVID yeah. and sickness, it's just hard to get yeah. away. But, you know, I just read in Exodus, you know, when God was going to raise up Moses to be the deliverer, he, and it said he heard the Israelites' cries, you know, he saw their oppression and he was going to provide a way out. And mm-hmm. I just pray that God, he does, he sees us, he hears us, and but we need to be begging and urging. Um, yes. So I do, I pray that he will hear, he will see, and he will uh, provide a way out of this true oppression. That's what it is. Scripture yes. also says not if you pray, it says when you pray mm-hmm. and fast. Yes. So we're yeah. commanded to yeah, pray. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. And so, and then again, look for ways to get involved. And so we'll put, you know, a lot of resources and you've, you've given and shared a lot of ways to get involved tangibly. So the, so prayer and action, I encourage yes. everybody to take. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that I really, my heart is heavy for this topic and it was encouraging to hear from both of them and and be able to pray a little more specifically, especially as our Supreme Court votes this summer. So I hope it encouraged you um, and, and to maybe even get involved in some tangible way. I just want to close the episode with a prayer that my sister-in-law, Sissy Graham Lynch, was able to give at the March for Life rally. This rally took place just before the march and it's such a powerful prayer and that's how I want to close the episode today. Thank you so much for joining us today, and God bless you. Are y'all ready to march? Well, join me as we close this amazing event in prayer. God, we thank you for blessing this nation far greater than we have ever deserved and blessing us with the freedom to gather here today to remember every precious life. Lord, we know that you are the author and creator of all life, that you've created us in your image. And we know as a nation that we have sinned and we humble ourselves before you asking for forgiveness. And God, we know that you are a God who loves. You are a God who forgives and you see us right where we are. And Lord, I pray for those women right now who need to know that you are there, who feel alone and who feel desperate. Lord, that they will feel your love and know that there is hope in you. Lord, I thank you for every individual here and every community that has fought for life in their communities, who have loved on women and children and done it with grace and with truth. But Lord, we are so thankful for the men and women who fight in this city right here fighting for life. Give them the strength to do the work before them that they do not grow weary. 
And Lord, I pray for our current administration. I pray for our president and lawmakers. Lord, we know that you and you alone can change the hearts of men. And Lord, we pray that you change the hearts, that they know that each life has value. And Jesus, we know that you came into this world to be a light and that anyone who believes in you will not remain in darkness. And we pray for those who end to advocate life, that their eyes would see the light, Lord, and that they will know that you are truth. But even in the darkest days, Lord, we know you're sovereign. We know that you sit on your throne. And we know that you will strengthen us to call the works to do ahead of us. But Lord, I pray for victory this summer at the Supreme Court. Lord, to overturn Roe. Lord, that we would be a nation that stands before the world. That we stand for life. That we, the United States, see value in every life. And that we stand for all life. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.